Hello, my friend. Joe Martino here, excited to talk to you today. What happens when we're hurt and we don't process it? And what's the antidote? Lots to talk about with that. In fact, there's so much to talk about with that. I'm not going to read any questions. There's really not a long intro. This is it. What happens when you're hurt and we don't process it? Do How do we get stuck in our pain? And then how do we get free? Because if we can get free, that's a great thing. Let's kick it off. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. What happens when we don't process hurt? Let's just start off with that today. One of the things that as counselors we often have to do is we have to educate people on anger. And you're like, wait a second, Joe, you were just talking about hurt and now you're talking about anger. And that's absolutely true because I want you to think about emotions as a ladder. The very first rung is where hurt comes in, where that pain comes in. We call these primary emotions, maybe guilt, fear, uh, shame. Those things tend to be primary emotions that run at the very beginning. Fear is one of the biggest ones. And pain is often, we often associate fear with pain because our body naturally fears pain. And so when we feel pain or hurt, we react. And then we go up one more rung. That's a secondary emotion, and that's anger. And so if you're if you're struggling with anger, there's often something beneath that that you're struggling with. Maybe you're struggling with fear of giving up control because when you were younger, something bad happened to you. Or maybe when you were an adult, something bad happened to you and you didn't have control. One of the things that my wife and I were talking about is, is we were consulting about a case. Uh, we were talking about a couple that she's working with, and the wife was went through a very traumatic first marriage. And now she's in her second marriage, and she often sees things that are dangerous that aren't actually dangerous, but her trauma interprets those as as dangerous. So a person who didn't go through that trauma might look at the situation and be like, okay, that's uncomfortable. I don't like that, but it's not dangerous. But often for people who have been through very traumatic relationships, when they go into another relationship, they see minimal things as very traumatic or very dangerous or very threatening, and they respond, their body responds the way it was created to respond, which is by it escalates, it it drops into uh, fight, flight, or freeze, which often will come out in anger. So let's start with the primary rung and kind of look at that, pull that apart and kind of understand that. A lot of times when I talk to people, one of the questions they ask is, why is forgiveness so important? And they tend to look at it for how it affects the other person. In fact, I actually had somebody argue with me that forgiveness, where we look at how it affects us, in other words, us forgiving someone else, looking at how that affects us isn't actually forgiveness, it's something else. Uh, When I pushed the person to kind of explain it to me, what else it would be, I really didn't get an answer, and, and actually that person would agree on that, if they were here in this room talking to you, I know that because they. I said to them, I said, well, you don't really have an answer. And they said, well, yeah, I guess I don't. So there is that. But let's talk about how it affects the person. Unprocessed hurt becomes anger. 
And, and this is almost an immediate response. Unprocessed hurt leads to anger almost immediately. Over time, the hurt becomes rage. If we don't deal with our anger, it will end up becoming rage. The hurt that became anger becomes rage. And, and if you have gone through a traumatic event or if you have had a loved one deeply hurt you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And one of the things that happens is I have friends who are not clients who, you know, they go through things and sometimes they'll call me up and be like, hey, can we talk? And I almost always warn everybody, whether it's a client or a friend, look, white hot rage is coming. Like white hot angry rage is coming. And they're like, yeah, no, I've been angry. I'm like, yeah, not, not, not this type of anger. You, you don't understand what I'm saying. Rage is coming. And the thing of it is at every point of this, we have to deal with the feeling, the emotion that comes up. So when we're hurt, we need to deal with that, which we're going to get to at the end of this, this episode, we have to deal with the hurt. We have to deal with the pain that we endured because if we don't, we end up with anger and we walk around angry and we start snapping at things. We start biting things off. And then if we go from anger and we don't process that, we don't deal with that, we end up in rage. If we don't deal with rage, we end up with bitterness. And what makes bitterness so insidious is that it comes with the hurt, the anger, and the rage. It's being fueled by things that are no longer on the surface. Uh, a couple of years ago, I mean, I'm talking when I say a couple, I, I was a, a young man. I was a young teenager, probably mid-teens. Uh, a friend of mine accidentally spilled about four gallons of gasoline into the ground where there was a fire. And, of course, it all exploded and there was fire everywhere. Uh, in this, it was in a, it was a contained area. It was a burning area and he was screaming. So we grabbed hoses and we're trying to put it out and we would put it out and the fire, like we literally soaked it so that there was standing water and the gasoline just kind of rose up through the water. Of course, you know, that's uh, science and caught on fire. It sat on top of the water and caught on fire. And we basically, our boss came by and he's like, what happened? So my friend tells him. I wasn't there when it happened, so I don't know. I don't remember the story of how he did it. Uh, but I remember our boss said, well, you're going to have to sit here and watch it burn out now. Uh, I'll go get a fire extinguisher, and we'll keep the area around it safe, but we need to burn this out. And so that's what they did, or we did. And that's kind of what happens when you get to bitterness. You now have hurt, anger, and rage coming up through the ground of your soul, the ground of your heart, and it's feeding that fire. And this is where people find themselves getting very judgmental. They find themselves getting nitpicky about other people. They find themselves at least internally putting other people down. They find themselves wanting to dictate how other people live. And this isn't a conservative liberal thing. This is people in general. Uh, they want to tell other people how to live typically because they have encountered pain. They have encountered hurt. They have encountered anger, rage, bitterness, and so they, they're trying to control it. One of the most useful ways that we have found to explain anxiety, you're going to be like, wait a second, Joe, are you taking another left turn here? And I am just for a second, but it's going to come back to this. 
is anxiety often happens when we see something that we believe we need to control and we can't. And so we respond with an escalation, with intensity, and often the root of bitterness is a legitimate hurt that you had no control over. And so you want to control it. You want to stop the pain. You want to stop the hurt. And you want to control it, but you can't. So you respond by escalating, which drives up your your response system, and in driving up your response system, you're living in bitterness. So you're snapping at people. You're getting uh, cranky. You, you walk around angry. You have a bitter spirit inside of you. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you live with someone like that. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you're related to someone like that. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because it's you. And the real challenge here is everyone feels trapped. The people living with the person that's stuck in bitterness feel trapped. Often the person that's trapped in bitterness feels trapped. Because who wants to walk around and see the negatives in everything? Despite the jokes that some of you are making right now about the person you know, no one. They want to be free from the bitterness, but it's got that fuel bubbling up from the hurt and the pain and the anger and the rage, and it's just feeding the bitterness And here's the problem. Once you hit this stage, when you try to go back and actually process the hurt now, the rage and the the anger, they kind of rise up like monsters wanting to stop you. And so you get stuck and it's like this constant uh, washing machine of you're bitter and then, oh, maybe I won't be bitter. And then you're angry and then you're enraged and then you're bitter and then you're angry and then you're enraged and then you're bitter and then you're angry and then you're enraged. After bitterness comes contempt. And this is where you're just like, blah, whatever, 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 eh, whatever. And and this is where you start making broad sweeping statements about the worthlessness of another gender of men. You make statements like once a cheater, always a cheater. You make statements like, ah, all women are blah, blah, blah. Or you make sexist jokes. A lot of sexist jokes are rooted in stupidity. There's no doubt about that. But a lot of them are rooted in a hurt that wasn't processed. And they still, you know, they come out in stupidity that does not excuse them in any way. This is one of the problems. When we don't deal with our hurt, when we don't process our hurt, we end up hurting other people. I've said it before in other episodes. One of my favorite quotes is, when you don't deal with your hurt, you end up bleeding on people that never hurt you. This doesn't diminish the hurt that you went through. It in no way diminishes the wrongness of the person who hurt you. But you have to be responsible to change it because if you don't, you get stuck in this pattern and it is all downhill. It is gravity taking over. Unprocessed hurt leads to anger. Unprocessed anger leads to rage. Unprocessed rage leads to bitterness. Unprocessed rage leads to contempt where you're just like, blah, I'll see this with couples. They'll look at the other person and it'll just be blah. They'll get to the place where a person they once said, I love you, where the person they once made a promise to, I'll love you forever. And they literally look at them and they're like, oh, I want to throw up or I, I, I don't, I just, I can't even stand to look at them. That's contempt. 
And they look down on them, at least internally. They look down their nose. Why? Because they've processed, they've not processed through hurt, anger, rage, bitterness. And now they're in contempt and they start to scoff at the world. They start to scoff at people. They start to, uh, they become jaded. They talk about how, you know, oh, well, it's just not that person. Or, you know, they talk about, maybe it's their adult parents that they've become contempt with or they have contempt for. And, and they, they fail to look at the person as a person. And look, there are people out there that, that are toxic. There are people out there that have a, a vested interest in spreading destruction wherever they go. And I'm not even saying you should tolerate them. I, I ran into one uh, yesterday in a conversation. By ran into, I was across the room while they were talking about child support. And one of the counties here locally is having a amnesty where if you're behind on child support, you can show up to friend of the court and work it out and and you don't have to worry about getting arrested. And this guy starts going off. Now, here's the thing. I can't say anything because of how I know, but I know for a fact that he is a convicted abuser. I know for a fact that he beat his wife. I know for a fact that he is behind on his child support. Uh, that he sued for custody for his kids and lost because he beat them. And he's gone on and on about how the system has screwed him over. That man is bent on destruction. That man is bent on, on, on spreading pain. He does not deserve to be allowed into circles of people's lives. Not unless he wants to change. I firmly believe that. And if you don't, that's fine. I'd love to talk to you about it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who they're not trying to destroy anything on purpose. They're not trying to blow things up, but they they have hurt you and you haven't processed it. And so it spins. And this could be your ex-spouse. It could be uh, the person that you made babies with when you were married to them or not married to them, and now you've both moved on to different things, and that was painful, and it was hurtful, and it felt destructive because it was. It's not about them. It's about you. It's about you engaging the hurt so that you can process it, because if you're at contempt, the only thing left, left is apathy. And often in our society, we juxtapose love and hate. In other words, we say that the opposite of love is hate, and that's not accurate. The opposite of love is apathy. And when you're here, you just don't care what happens to the other person. You don't want what's best for them. You don't want anything for them because you just don't care. You're just blah. You're disconnected. You have, you have, when we're in apathy, we have killed our emotions at the root. And this could be over a big pain. This could be over something like, hey, I was molested as a kid. And I would actually suggest that the best thing you can want for that person is to get help, is to get free from being an abuser. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't have boundaries. You should have boundaries. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't... uh, that they shouldn't serve time. They should. But at the same time, we can want them to get better. One of the things, I, I, I was talking to a young man, oh my goodness, many years ago now, probably about 10 years ago, uh, longer than that because I didn't even live here in the great state of Michigan at the time. 
And one of the things that we were talking about was he grew up in an abusive home. And I finally said to him, it sounds to me like you want your dad to feel the pain that you felt. He was like, no, I could give a crap. That's kind of what he said uh, of what happens to my dad. The problem with apathy is it's not usually accurate. It's not usually honest. It's not usually genuine. It's not usually the truth. It's usually something that is, it feels good to say, but it's not actually the truth because we very much do care. We very much, we want them to feel pain, but we're kind of blah. And and when couples get to this stage, they coexist. They become roommates. And it's, it's very difficult as a counselor to walk with them back down the path. Because once again, once you're past, once you're into the bitterness stage, if you try to go back, you just keep hitting it. And you just keep bringing up the pain. Wham, bam, wham, bam, wham, bam. And, and it just keeps, like it's just like battering your face into a wall. It hurts. It's painful. And you just keep running into it. It's no good. And so as we do that, as we engage that process, you have to understand that this could come from those big hurts. It could come from small hurts. You don't have, like, you could get just a little prick, a little cut. And if it gets infected in the right way, now, look, I admit, I skipped all the days of medical school, but I'm pretty sure you get a cut even a small one, and if it gets infected and you don't treat the infection and that infection doesn't go away, eventually that infection could get so big that it kills you. And a lot of times in life, that's the same thing that happens to people as they process through life. They have what they would consider little hurts. Those little hurts become infected and they move through their life and they just continue to run through them. And it's painful and they end up at the same place. They end up apathetic because here's the thing you have to consider about all of these stages. They're not localized. If you're angry, you're not just angry at the person who hurt you. You don't take that anger out just on the person who hurt you. People who are angry tend to snap at everybody. If you're bitter, you're not just bitter with the person who hurts you. People who are bitter tend to be bitter with the whole world. If you're contemptuous and you just think you're better than everybody else, you tend to think that about everybody. You tend to hold everyone in contempt. And by the time you're to apathy, you haven't just killed this pain of other people. You've become apathetic towards the world in the vast majority of cases. And this is why I started this session. This, this, see, it's not a session. I always call it a session. This episode with the idea of let's talk about what forgiveness does for the forgiver. Let's talk about what forgiveness does to the forgiver. Because you cannot, as Brene Brown says, you cannot selectively numb. You cannot selectively hold on to these states of being and, and, and it not infect the rest of the world around you. You can't do it. Okay, so what's the antidote? I'm glad you asked because we're going to talk about that. You start with forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is not reconciliation. Forgiveness does not mean that the person gets a free pass. It doesn't mean that they get to come back into your life without boundaries. But you have to start with forgiveness. You have to forgive the other person, even if they haven't asked. And there are people out there, 
I had a, a graduate school professor who believed that you should only forgive people who ask. I think that's wrong, and I think it's insidious. I think it is, it is a poison that will infect you, not them. Now, you don't have to reconcile. You don't have to allow them back into your life. You do not have to allow them to, uh, to, to re-hurt you. You don't have to give them that type of freedom. I had another professor in graduate school who shared these six myths of forgiveness. Myth number one, if I forgive, I have to also forget. I can't disagree with that more. You do not have to forget. Whoever came up with the phrase, forgive and forget, I'd love to meet that person because I bet they're related to the person who invented neckties and thought we needed to cut our grass. Myth number two, forgiving is impossible. Forgiveness isn't impossible. In fact, there's some amazing books out there about forgiveness. I'd encourage you to read Forgiveness is a Choice. I believe the guy's last name is Enright. Fantastic book to help you process through forgiveness. Myth number three, I just don't feel like forgiving. So what? That's my favorite question. Anytime we talk about how we feel, anytime we talk about our emotions, I'm always glad for that. I'm always glad that we can say, hey, I I feel like this or I don't feel like this. But every time I want the follow-up question to be, so what? So what does that mean? Okay, fine. You don't feel like forgiving. So what? So what does that mean? Myth number four, I I shouldn't grant forgiveness unless the other person is willing to respond. That's hogwash, folks. That just isn't accurate. Uh, If they don't want to respond, that's on them. Forgiveness sets the person who was offended free. It helps them begin the processing of their hurt. It doesn't completely go through the process. And I want to make very clear that forgiveness is not processing the hurt. Those are not synonymous. It's part of the processing the hurt. Myth number five, forgiveness means acting as if nothing happened. Completely not true. In fact, forgiveness means I can act like something did happen and I chose how I was going to respond from it, how I was going to shape my future life from that hurt. Myth number six, I have to forgive immediately. Absolutely not true. In fact, you might forgive every day for a long time until it starts to stick. We are creatures of, of memory. We are creatures of habit. We are creatures of rhythm. And so you might process through that hurt multiple times. So the, the antidote to going from hurt to contempt is starting with forgiveness. So hurt goes to forgiveness. And you can do this in the anger stage. You can be angry and still choose to forgive. That's the first step towards processing through the hurt. And then you have to take a critical and uh, not critical like negative, critical as in uh, deep examination, a critical examination of yourself. How did the hurt affect you? What do you believe about yourself because of the hurt that isn't true? What is true about you that wasn't true before the hurt? In other words, how are you seeing the world now? How did this hurt affect you? It's kind of like I often liken it to people when I'm talking to them, I'll liken it to, to a broken bone. If I break my leg it's going to affect a lot of areas of my life over the next six months, however long it takes me to heal. I break some things. Like I I had a lot of physical trauma to some of my joints when I was younger. I feel that physical trauma today, years later. 
And I would be a fool to be like, well, that I just, I don't know, nothing, nothing's wrong with my knees. That isn't how it works. And a lot of times we want to do that because we don't want to deal with the pain. Which brings me to the third thing. You have to accept that life will probably be different. If you remember when I was talking about grief, if you haven't heard that episode, I'd encourage you to look it up. When I was talking about grief, one of the things that I said was, you have to accept the fact that there isn't, things don't get back to normal, you get a new normal. Oftentimes, when we are hurt, we have to engage the grief process. So we forgive, we take an examination of ourselves and start asking ourselves, how is my life different? What, how am I viewing myself because of this hurt? And we have to simultaneously allow ourselves to go through the grief process. You have to allow yourself to process through the grief. A lot of times we want to stop that process. Even in how we apologize, we want to stop the grief process. I'll work with couples all the time where one of them will say, I'm sorry, not because they're sorry, but they just want whatever the discomfort is to stop. And they don't allow themselves or the relationship to go through a grief process. So if you want the antidote to going from hurt to contempt, you have to go hurt to process. And hurt to process involves forgiveness. It involves an examination of yourself. And then it simultaneously allows yourself to grieve. It's okay to be angry. That's part of the grief process. It's okay to... Uh, be really angry. That's part of the grief process, but you have to process it. You, and this is where the critical self-examination comes in. Why am I angry? I'm angry because I was wronged. Okay, well, I've chosen to forgive that person, which means I still want them to have consequences. That's fine. You can forgive someone and still want them to have consequences. Someone steals from you, you want them to go to jail, you want them to be prosecuted at least, that's fine. And yet you can forgive them. They can, they can make it right by, by doing time. Someone wrongs you, they steal money from you, they molest you, they rape you, they assault you, they do whatever. You can say, look, there are consequences to this. Maybe we can't be friends anymore. Maybe we can't be in each other's lives anymore. Maybe we have to have really strong boundaries. But that's part of the grief process. That's part of allowing yourself to feel the emotions and not denying them, but letting yourself utilize them to discharge the pain. And, and, you know, we have all sorts of cute sayings, time heals all wounds. It doesn't really, time anesthetizes most wounds. Willful choice heals wounds. We have to make a willful choice to heal. We're responsible for our own healing. We're not responsible for the hurt that the other person is. I want to do a whole separate episode on that someday. But we are responsible for our healing. We're responsible to choose what we do with our pain, with our hurt. And so it starts with forgiveness. We forgive the other person. And then we have to examine how it affected our lives. Some trauma that I went through as a youth, some trauma that you went through as a youth, I guarantee you it's affecting how we love our spouses, how we receive love from our families. And so we have to look at that. Because the things that we don't think about, the things that we just assume are the things that drive our lives. And so we have to look at how we are driving our life. What are we doing to drive our life? What is it that's driving our life? Because if we don't examine those hurts and how those hurts affected us, we're not processing it. And then we move forward. 
All right, so I hope this episode was helpful. Thank you so much for listening. I know you could spend this time doing anything. I appreciate that you chose to spend it with me, and I am so honored that you would give me this time. If you like this episode, if you found it helpful, please share it on your social media. Uh, Give us a recommendation in whichever uh, store, uh, podcast store you utilize, if you would. I can't tell you how helpful that is for us. If you do have a question or an idea for a future show, feel free to reach out to me, joemartino.com. Click on the Contact Me page. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. Give us a rating on the iTunes store. And if you have a question for a future show, feel free to send us an email at info at joemartino.com. You can also go to joemartino.com and click on the Contact Me page. Until next time, remember, change possible.